And hello from Boise, Idaho. In Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at politics and education. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Kevin, we're doing something a little bit different this week. In addition to the normal Extra Credit podcast, we're live on Facebook right now, and so we may get a couple of questions. So we're doing things just a bit differently this week. But uh, same old style with the podcast. We want to cover the week's top education stories. And you looked into some new numbers um, that painted Idaho in a, in a pretty good light uh, about the number of associates' degrees. Uh, but what were the numbers exactly that you looked at, and, and, and what did you find? And, and help put it in context for us, please. Right. This is one of those rare times where uh, we could write about Idaho landing in the top five of national rankings. So often we write about Idaho being at or near the bottom in national rankings. So here's what was being ranked uh, in this study, and you can go onto my blog and get all the details. What was studied was uh, what happens with uh, students who get an associate's degree? What happens after they get their associate's degree? Do they uh, continue their education or not? So uh, the the group that was looked at, the cohort, was a graduating class of 2010. And nationally, what they found was that about 40% of students who get an associate's degree go on to get a bachelor's degree within six years. So 40%, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty decent number. Idaho's numbers came in even higher. Uh, About 49% of the students who get an associate's degree go on and get a bachelor's degree. Now, why is all that important? Uh, Well, there's been a lot of talk in Idaho about uh, college attainment, uh, college enrollment. Uh, There's been a big push in the legislature for uh, dual enrollment programs designed to get uh, high school students to start to accumulate college credits while in high school, maybe even get an associate's degree. I've done a couple of those stories right. in the in the West Ada School District about students who are taking advantage of the dual credit program who do earn their associate's degree uh, and they graduate. It's kind of cool to see they graduate with a high school diploma one week and their associate's degree uh, from an area uh, college or university the next week. And, and that's something that the legislature uh, has, has pushed it well, but you're looking beyond that at overall associate degree numbers. Right, right. And, but I think in the big picture of it all, if you're an advocate for uh, these dual, dual enrollment programs, these dual credit programs at the high school level, if you're an advocate for uh, the community college system in Idaho and uh, perhaps advocating an expansion of community college offerings in Idaho, uh, these are the kind of numbers that I suspect you would look at to say there is evidence that uh, if you encourage students, if you enable students to get the associate's degree as a starting point uh, in their post-secondary careers, that they will uh, then, in large numbers, will tend to go on and get a more advanced degree, which uh, makes them uh, more prepared for different jobs and different careers uh, post-graduation. Certainly, associate's degrees count towards the state's signature education goal, Kevin, which is having 60% of young adults hold a post-secondary degree or certificate by the year 2020. We've covered that a lot at Idaho Ed News and how the state may not reach that goal right. um, by 2020, uh, but these associate degrees uh, numbers, uh, those certainly help in those count towards that, do they not? Now, where can mm-hmm. folks, uh, folks can join us at idahoednews.org if they want to see your reporting, if right. they want to look at your blog and, and look at some of the numbers. And, take and, and go back look. to the blog, you can link onto my post, you can link onto the report and, and get more details about it. 
A story you did this week I wanted to talk about and have you walk through for, for listeners and viewers is a story you did out of Midvale. Uh, talk about a school construction project and kind of a novel approach out there. This was really a, a fun story that we published uh, earlier in, in this week. I, I talked with Midvale Superintendent uh, Jim Warren and, and, and their uh, career technical education teacher, Vic Mann, who is a veteran of the Boise School District for a long time. But what we have is this small rural western Idaho school district, which is taking what I thought was an innovative approach to updating their school facilities. Their secondary school was built between 1914 and 1930. Wow. The superintendent says between accessibility and connectivity, uh, it just does not meet the modern demands for modern students. And so a company out of Caldwell has actually donated a steel building to the Midvale School District, and that happened a couple of years ago, and the district used some of its leftover uh, savings money uh, to begin roughing it in, and so between the donated steel building and they're going to partner with some of their career technical vocational classes. Some of the students are actually going to do some of the work of framing up and building the interior of this new school uh, when the school year begins in the fall. And so that's kind of cool in and of itself. But what this means, the superintendent thinks that they could save their patrons, their taxpayers, maybe almost $3 million here between a donated building donated labor. They will still hire contractors to do some of the more technical stuff, the electrical, the plumbing, the HVAC. Um, but what it's going to do is it's going to allow the district to do a couple of things. They're looking at doing a plant facilities levy for a small amount over five years to finance the uh, fit and finish the mm -hmm. inside, the internal construction of this building. So that's going to allow them to save money. It also allows them, Kevin, to avoid going out for a new construction bond, which means they do not have to hit uh, that high mark, that two-thirds supermajority to win voter approval for a bond. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, the story is up at, at Idaho Ed News. I'm already excited and making plans for the fall to go out and meet some of the students and to meet the vocational uh, teacher who's going to be working on this project. And, and maybe we'll work up a video and a multimedia report to really show folks behind the scenes what's going on in Midvale. But you hear a lot about bonds and levies. You hear a lot about school facilities. I had not heard of a district taking this route, which is why I chose to highlight it this week. No, and it is interesting because we write a lot about school districts that are having to pursue bond issues and plant facilities levies and uh, using them, having to use them to pay for building projects. And it's not always easy to get that uh, two-thirds threshold. Uh, we have another story, Devin Bodkin, our Eastern Idaho reporter, uh, checked in at Aberdeen this week. Uh, they're building a new school to replace an aging facility. They just barely got the two-thirds supermajority that they needed in the uh, elections in May. It's a tough road to hoe. So I've got to imagine that you've got districts around the state looking for ways to make uh, plant facilities, levies, and bond issues more palatable to voters uh, and make it a little bit easier to get those uh, those numbers that you need at the polls to get these things passed. All right, moving on from a small school district in western Idaho to one of the state's biggest school districts. Kevin, you had sort of a preview out this week about the Boise School District uh, and their school board election coming up this fall. What, what do folks need to know? What did you find out? Well, it's election season in the Boise School District, and that's kind of an anomaly in and of itself. Boise is uh, what we call a charter school district. Basically, their charter was written before Idaho became a state. 
So they kind of operate by their own set of guidelines. And one of the guidelines is uh, school board elections are held in early September. This time around, we're talking about September 6th. Yes, that is the Tuesday after Labor Day. So the tendency is for these school board elections to get really low turnout. I mean, school board elections in general get low turnout, but, but Boise's got the, the added factor that these elections come right on the heels of uh, kind of the last big uh, three-day weekend of summer. So we had the filing period close uh, last week, and we know who's running. You've got four candidates for two seats. Uh, three names uh, to keep in mind, David Wagers, who is an incumbent on the school board. He's seeking a six-year term. Brian Cronin, who was elected to the school board two years ago to former, round out a term. Former state legislator. Former legislator, uh, former spokesman in the campaign to overturn Propositions 1, 2, and 3. Uh, he is not seeking re-election. So you will have a new school trustee regardless of what happens. So you have four candidates for two seats on the board, the top two vote-getters, uh, get on the ballot. Uh, get uh, get on the board. Uh, one name that we do know, and we will follow this more closely between now and September sixth. A name that jumps out is Beth Oppenheimer. She is the executive director of the Idaho Association uh, for Young for Education of Young Children. So she's been very visible on pre-K issues. Uh, you see her quite a bit at the state house testifying on on pre-K issues. She's in the, the running, and, and she's fairly well-known in political circles. She has uh, tried to, uh, uh, she's applied for openings in the legislature, in Legislative District 18, when seats have come open. So uh, she's running and has probably a little bit of name ID, but we'll, uh, we'll look at the other candidates and, and do more uh, detailed reporting leading up to September. But, uh, you know, at least we have an early sense of what's uh, what's happening in those races. Something to watch for a little later in the summer, for sure. I want to take folks back to the most recent legislative session, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Lawmakers passed a new bill that was signed into law about innovative school grants. Did they not? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And then there was a, a, a window of application that opened up last week. Yeah, uh, so, still open. And it's still open. So when we talk about innovative schools, what does that mean, and, and how how do how does that apply to, uh, to to what we're seeing now? Okay, the Innovation School Program is basically it's a grant program that's going to allow ten schools around the state to try some new new ideas, new programs, new approaches to education. The controversy in this, and there was some controversy during the session, is that uh, it's not just that the districts will get a small grant. $10,000 a school. And they also get the ability to uh, to waive uh, state laws, state rules, uh, kind of bypass some of the, the laws and, and regulations that are on the books. That's where it becomes becomes controversial and was controversial at the legislature. So anyway, fast forward. Uh, last week, the application window opened. You have a $100,000 earmark for these grants, so 10 grants of $10,000 each. As of Thursday, the State Board of Education had received only four applications, two from Nampa, one from Clark Fork, and one from the West Side District, which is actually in extreme southeastern Idaho, even though it's the West Side District. Yeah. <laughs> so we will wait and see now. Will they actually get 10 applications? It's unclear at this point uh, what other interest there is around the state. And at this point, we don't really know a whole lot of details about many of these applications. We know Nampa is talking about trying to do uh, kind of a, a a different approach. A to new school, school is what they're looking right, at, right? A, a different approach to a uh, high school. Uh, they have received a grant from the uh, 
the J.A. and Catherine Albertson Family Foundation, which is, is our funder here at Idaho Education News, so full disclosure there. That's one of the projects that NAMPA has uh, has floated. We will see if they get this grant and see where that project goes and, and try to flesh out more details about these uh, innovation projects. And, and it's a little confusing, but we don't yet know necessarily which specific laws they're going to look for flexibility. And, and that gets confusing, but real quick, I think the legislature did that uh, to give these districts more flexibility mm-hmm. to innovate, to try some different things, to not be... They talk about the burdens of, of some of these restrictions. And so I think that's why they did it. That was the argument for it, for sure. But yeah. we don't know exactly which laws they're going to get freedom and flexibility from. But that that was the idea that they would be less encumbered and, and less bound uh, by the system and maybe to be able to, to uh, try some innovative outside-the-box things. And, and, and worth noting, too, that when the state board looks at these applications, they say that they're not going to be looking at the merits of the innovation projects themselves. Uh, their role, the state board's role, is uh, is compliance. They're going to look to see, does this application comply with the specifics of the law? So uh, we, we'll see what these innovation projects really look like and, and We'll be following it. That catches us up with all the news for this week. Next week, uh, conveniently, you're going to be heading out of town and and leaving me in charge of a busy week. Are you you, not? You're going to have a lot on your hands, starting with uh, you're going to be sitting down on uh, Tuesday to talk to State Superintendent Sherry Ibarra. Um, don't want you to tip your hand too much, but what do you, what are you hoping to catch up with? There's a couple of things that I want to talk to the superintendent with. Regular readers of Idaho News may be familiar with our multimedia series. Uh, I work with our multimedia journalist, Andrew Reed, uh, to go in and do these interviews with Superintendent Ibarra. We do them more frequently kind of leading up to the legislative session. A couple of things I hope to talk about. The state's new year actually kicked over on July 1st, uh, just a few days ago, Kevin. And along with that, most of the new bills, most of the new laws from the legislative session actually took effect July 1st. So we want to talk about some of the new laws, some of the new policies that will affect school when classes resume Mm -hmm. in the fall. And I don't know, just knowing me, I may also ask about some of the teacher evaluation data that we've been reporting. If you missed that, you can check it out at idahoednews.org. But I may ask the state superintendent uh, about that and about some of the errors uh, and omissions that we uncovered right. in the report. But that's not the only thing going on next week. Um, beginning of the week on Tuesday, the legislature's interim school funding committee is going to get to work again. And why is that a big deal? Why is that something that we're looking at? Well, it, well, it's a huge deal. I mean, the legislature has created this committee to look at a school funding formula. And I, and I kind of go back into the history on this at idahoitnews.org you got a funding formula that hasn't been updated since 1994. Uh, the argument is a lot's changed in education since 1994. I think everybody can agree to that. So the question becomes, how do you retool and restructure a funding formula to reflect what's going on in schools now as opposed to what was going on in 1994? Because when it was written, we didn't have online classes. No we online didn't classes. have dual credit. We didn't have student Virtual mobility schools, like we did today. Charter schools. So the education know. landscape is really changed in the last uh, 20 years almost. Right. And, but rewriting a formula that is as complicated as ours and is as controversial as ours, that's going to be a very time-consuming pro- process. So the meeting Tuesday, it's going to be a step in that uh, 
in that long process of trying to figure out what to do with the funding formula if you do really anything with the funding formula. So I would not anticipate any closure. I think what uh, what you can anticipate is a little bit more of a review of where we stand now. You don't think they'll have there. a plan for us? I, I, I kind of doubt. And, you know, seriously, though, I mean, the legislators who are on this committee have said, uh, we don't think we're going to have this thing done in time for the 2017 legislative session. This could be an interim committee that goes on for two years. So... But there are some heavy hitters on that committee. The Speaker of the House is on that committee. If you want to see who's on that committee, head over to IdahoEdNews.org, and there's a roster of the lawmakers on that committee. Speaking of finance, speaking of dollars, negotiations are still continuing, even mediation in some cases, right, Kevin? Right. There are two districts that go back to the bargaining table next week. Nampa has a negotiation session scheduled for Monday, and the West Ada School District, I believe, has mediation scheduled for Friday, uh, both of these districts, two of the three largest in the state, are still working on a uh, master agreement with teachers for this upcoming school year. So we're into the new budget year, but uh, agreements are still being worked out. And you know, as you would expect, it's uh, it's revolving right now about money, about salaries. So that process will continue. We'll keep tabs on that. And when I say we, I mean you, because I will not be here next week. Convenient, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, so much for listening to the Extra Credit Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who joined us on Facebook Live today. I saw a discussion about some of the dual credit uh, courses going on where uh, one family was able to, some of their uh, children were able to earn associate's degrees uh, or earn college credits uh, while still in high school and skip essentially their freshman year. So that was kind of an interesting discussion on our Facebook page. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Idaho Ed News to stay up with all the latest throughout the week like us on facebook and uh kevin you're gonna have a lot of fun i'm gonna be here working uh so we will be back right and you will still have an extra credit podcast next friday i'll have to uh tune in from afar maybe we'll have a surprise guest we'll see how replaceable you are well that's you know, i don't think there's much question about my replaceability <laughs> but we'll i'll be interested to see what the uh, what the new look podcast sounds like uh, next week all right thanks everybody so much i'm clark i'm kevin have a good week